I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today, we watched the 2002 movie, The Powerpuff Girls Movie, which is a movie that my mom took me to see when I was a (laughs) child in theaters. And afterwards, she remarked that it was the stupidest movie she'd ever seen (laughs) and that it was a waste of her time and money. use those exact words like it was it. in that vicinity and it has stuck with me since i was a child for, so for 20 years uh-huh. i was not a fan i was not a fan of mom didn't like the movie there. when she had to pay money yes. to go see it in a theater i know but yeah so are you gonna ask our reaction today so no. yeah no no without no. getting into spoilers what do we think of this movie i totally enjoyed it all right. I'm serious. I absolutely enjoy nice. it. Nice. I don't know what what my twenty year ago you know self was people thinking. change. She. It was it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'll give you a brief spoiler free plot synopsis. This is basically the origin story of the Powerpuff Girls. Uh, we see Professor Utonium accidentally making them with help from a monkey named Jojo, um, and not purposeful help. Uh, and then we he meets them. They bond. They go to school the next day and get a little rowdy playing some childhood games that ends up destroying a bunch of the city um and so then everyone kind of hates them because of all the destruction they caused but that same monkey from earlier who also got affected by the chemical x that helped create them and give them their powers he's there to lend a helping hand and try to try to to build them up Mm -hmm. except he uh Mm -hmm. maybe has some sinister plans of his own Mm -hmm. and they have to they have to deal with the repercussions of helping him out and everything. Mm-hmm. Is there any other comments you guys want to... Oh, I... I should say, this film received mixed to positive reviews, but was a box office bomb, only grossing $16 million worldwide against its $11 million budget. Aww. So, it's a bummer. Okay. Um, I will say this. I think my mindset was that it was I didn't understand why I was paying to bring you to a movie <laughs> for a cartoon and I mm-hmm. thought this was like like for like a cartoon, cartoon that you'd seen on the yeah. TV. And to be fair, you used to watch this a lot. Yeah. A lot. And oh, yeah. I think that was yeah. Who among my generation did not watch a bunch of Dexter's Lab and Powerpuff yeah. Girls? So I was like, and why am I paying? I mean, as I think much there was a I Dexter's was... Lab short that showed in front of it in the theaters too, yeah. which I didn't bother to look up to have us watch, but and I was very generous, as you know, with the taking to movies or getting yeah. new games. But I'm just like, why am I doing? This is like a cartoon. Why are we at the movies for this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, context matters. I know. And this is a totally different context to view it from. I know. And the origin, it, was, yeah. it was just delightful. I just, oh, it was so cute. Let's get specific by which I mean fun facts. Yay. What if I just start doing fun facts? <laughs> um, I like it. I like it. Thanks. That's canon now. <laughs> Craig McCracken, who is the creator of Powerpuff Girls and director of this movie, said that there was no real difference when directing the film in comparison to a standard TV episode. When we make the TV show, we look at them as mini films. The show is really condensed. It, al- it always keeps moving and it's got an energy level to it because of the time limitation. So my first concern was, are we going to lose that pace and going into a long form? But as it turned out, the movie still moves at the same pace that the show does. It still has that distinctive feeling to it. 
Which, yeah, I agree. It, it does. Uh, during production, McCracken was encouraged by Cartoon Network to make an edgier film, he recalled via Tumblr. When we started the film, I was encouraged by Cartoon Network to make the movie for 25-year-old guys. So we upped the seriousness <laughs> and action and downplayed what? the funny. By the time we finished, there was a regime change at CN, and the new heads of the network were upset that we didn't make a poppy, colorful kids movie. This was when they first had the idea that they wanted to try producing animation for older audiences. Samurai Jack was a part of this thinking as well. We were sort of the guinea pigs for what would later evolve into Adult Swim, which he's misremembering a little bit in that Adult Swim premiered uh, the year before this movie came out, but I can totally buy that it was still part of that kind of initiative of thinking because, you know, movies take time to create when they started it and then they were like, well, we have Adult Swim and this isn't on it. And so we're not happy with this anymore once it was actually done. And they had that regime change. But, I mean, I I thought it had a good mix of both the humor and the, the action and stuff. So... Um, the film received some mild criticism for its violence, which some felt was too extreme for a family-oriented film, especially, and this will give context, in the wake of the 9-11 attacks the previous year. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the 2009 documentary, The Powerpuff Girls, who... Who, what, where, how, why, who cares? McCracken said, In hindsight, maybe I wish it was a little sillier, a little lighter, a little more, not so heavy the whole time. In 2016, he stated that due to the politics of the film's production, he would stick to the television industry instead of branching out into movies. Which is always a bummer to hear when people are discouraged from pursuing things that they might otherwise be interested in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I don't think I agree in terms of like that it... It does still feel like it has enough lightness and fun to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I can think off the top of my head of an episode of the show itself that was way darker in, in tone than this, which is the one where they accidentally go into the future and and him is taken over. And it's really awful and terrible there. Yeah. Uh, this this doesn't have that kind of oppressive feeling of that. Like, there's there's some fun, cool action and like the bad guy, Mojo Jojo especially, like can feel menacing and stuff and they get real sad that the people are being mean to them, but it never feels, it doesn't ever feel like it's too much, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even that kind of standout uh, oppressive episode, there's like the, the one where the, the alien vegetables come and like (laughs) that. Yeah. Like they, it felt within the within the range of a, of an episode. Definitely. Emotion-wise. Yeah. yeah. I will say, just like Gotham City is not a place to live, mm-hmm. um, uh, Townsville apparently is not a place to live. <laughs> Especially pre-Powerpuff Pre- I know, because the, mo- so the movie, sad. like, opens telling you I how know. much it sucks to be there, he and was- Professor Utonium's going about his business while, like, robberies and stuff are happening. Well, he was also mugged trying to go to his car with mm-hmm. his, just his groceries, I know. Yeah. Yeah. It had a nice, nice cameo of Fuzzy Lumpkins with the person holding up the cashier and stuff. Definitely some fun villain villain cameos that we can talk about later. Um, yeah, let's start talking about the story and characters and stuff. I I had forgotten how adorable the Powerpuff Girls are. See, this is the the mom, the nana in You me. think those freaky bug-eyed so, weirdo girls who broke yes, everything are cute? They're adorable. And when and I 
loved, loved the opening scene of when they were first created. And then they're just like there. And the naming and poor little Buttercup Grumps. He, she was so grumpy about the bad I reason for know. her name. It's He's like, like you're Buttercup because it starts with a B. I know. After B, like, you're Blossom because you're you're so forthcoming and burr to burr. I know. Bubbles, like, laughs. He's like, oh, you're so bubbly. You'll be Bubbles. And then it's just, you're that Buttercup because it starts I with a know. B. That broke my heart. Because she's, <laughs> he could have even said, because you're so bold. Or part of me, something with, part of me <laughs> wonders if that was actually, like, the reasoning for the naming from the crew too yeah. originally <laughs> and they're just like actually putting into the thing of like but yeah blossom fits her personality bubbles fits her personality can't really think of a b name that fits buttercup so we're just gonna go with buttercup <laughs> it starts with a b we have to keep that oh, that's so funny it's very but yeah she was so grumps but then i love the little scene that he like got them the toys and they fixed up their room and then tucked them into bed I I even made a note that you were just really enjoying the cuteness of the beginning. Oh, it's adorable. And then it broke my heart when all, when everything broke bad. Little Bubbles crying. Oh, her crying gets to me so much. Tara Strong's very good at making a very pitiful cry. Yes. Very sad. Yeah, er, early on, and I think Danica thought they were going to address it. But oh yes, the, as good as a of a dad the professor is to the girls, he is not a good dad to JoJo, who is his monkey. Which the film Aww. doesn't make very clear, but there must be an episode of the show that we've seen because I remember distinctly that that is his monkey that he had before them who then goes missing after their mate or whatever. But like, yeah, like he, I, I, I do wish that there had been a moment of like recognition there at some point, which maybe, maybe the episode that gave us that backstory is like the first time that they actually, like he actually realized that Mojo Jojo is Jojo. And maybe that's why they didn't because, you know, like for the same reason why in the Clone Wars, Anakin and, and General Grievous can never meet in person because there's the one line in Revenge of the Sith that indicates that they haven't actually seen each other in person before. Um, I, I think it might be a thing like that, that they couldn't bring it up because of an episode in the show. I, I don't know, but it was it's just one thing that is especially for someone who's not familiar with the show, like mom is confusing because there is that monkey there in the beginning and it's during a period where there's not any real dialogue or whatever. It's the opening credits and you're seeing the girls get made. And you see that the monkey is causing havoc and shoves Professor Utonium, thereby like breaking the glass that put that does the chemical X or whatever. And you see that the monkey gets changed or whatever. And like, so you as an audience know that Mojo Jojo is that monkey. But there's no recognition in the movie itself of like, why did the professor just have a monkey? And why is does he not say anything about his monkey being gone and, right. or anything? Do yeah. anything about the monkey yeah. destroying stuff? Yeah. Uh, even if it's just like maybe he wants attention, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm like focused on this thing and I therefore fe- neglecting this monkey. Yeah. I, th- I feel like in the episode, there's like some sort of through line about like it kind of being like oh poor sad mojo jojo but then this kind of realization that even when he was just a a regular kind of monkey he was kind of a jerk 
and not really something one that you should feel sad for. I feel mm. like that's part of what the episode that gives that backstory is is about. Oh, but okay. it's again, it's not in this movie, and and not really having it at all, but still having that connection. I think, I think it weakens the movie just a little bit. Not like having those dots connected for people that don't watch the show. I thought it was it tickled me so much at the beginning also that they address what I would have absolutely voiced uh, where he goes to he's just created them and he's like I've got to go get y'all things and then yeah. he goes and he drives off and then he's trying to drive off and he's like because because he's he voices before that that he wants to be a good dad or yeah. a good parent or something and then he goes driving off and then he stops and he backs up and he goes back and he's like it would be a bad parent to leave my no, children no, he totally he, left he totally he leaves left. it's as he's driving back With that he gift. says no oh. note to self good parents don't leave your your oh, kids home alone I that, because then so he fast. pulls in and he has oh, okay. the presence yeah, yeah so that's he just true. Did he did so he did leave them okay, okay. <laughs> but he acknowledges it yes. after <laughs> yes <laughs> oh goodness um, it was fun to see the gang green gang in here. Yes. Uh, Ace's hair being all wet was an interesting look for him. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. They they basically, they're in the middle part, um, just kind of uh, menacing the girls. But then Jojo at that point saves them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get another small cameo at the end of the movie as part of a like showing the Powerpuff Girls and doing their saving people stuff. Yeah. Um, just fun to see them, and I might have another note about them later in a different section. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, one funny thing that that never never got resolved for me that I would have liked to see resolved. I'm just laughing. But when the when the powerpuff when they created the windows in their rooms, there's no glass there. <laughs> Did they just I was, have open I was spaces? legit like, <laughs> is there glass in the show? I don't remember oh, no. if those are I just mean, open spaces or not. There might not be. A- I feel like they fly into it all the exactly. time. Exactly. Like they, they might, might just like be in holes. And out okay. There. Okay. They've still got to like put plaster or something. I on know. That, I know. Like <laughs> I, I think the uh, the the laser. Yeah, is the implication that it like, like melted cauterized. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cauterized the wound yeah, of the house. Yes, things yes. could go in that window. They can zap them with their eyes. Yeah, that's true. They probably don't. Buttercup care. might eat a bug just to see. Oh, definitely. <laughs> she will feed one of them bugs. <laughs> um, I liked Bubbles saying, "You're no monster, Mister. You're just really dirty." Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tara Strong's delivery as Bubbles is always spot on. Oh, she's so cute. Oh my gosh. Question, babe. Oh, wait, wait. Sorry. No, but what did they call... I'm so sorry when you said spot on. But what did the newspaper call them? Bug-eyed something? Freaky... It said... There was a headline that said, Freaky Bug-Eyed Weirdo Girls Broke Everything. (laughs) That was so rude. Yes, it was amazing. (laughs) So so sorry. Go ahead. You're good. Babe, this is a question just for you because mom has no idea what I'm talking about. Were those two dudes... Supposed to be like Jay and Silent Bob analogs. So I thought about that. There was two like rocker guys. A, who... a tall kind of guy with long blonde hair and a shorter guy with dark hair. Yes. And that shorter guy never talked. That's fair. I thought to me it did feel like the tall guy was especially the shorter guy felt. I think in the like I think feel like the shorter guy looked different enough so that yes. it couldn't. You, it, they couldn't be accused of using them without, like, licensing them or whatever. Yeah. But, like, he is a shorter dude compared to his friend. 
who has dark hair and doesn't talk. Possibly, yeah. I, I feel like it's an allusion to I, Jay and I Silent did, Bob. I did get that vibe, too. Yeah. All you Jay and Silent Bob heads. Um, <laughs> specifically them, not just Kevin Smith. <laughs> no, specifically Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> I don't know them. <laughs> it's, it's all good. Um, this is way later in the movie, but the scene where all the monkeys are introducing themselves is so good. Oh, and might be my favorite part of the movie. That is hilarious. All the designs, it just gave it's me so... Samurai Jack vibes of just these creatures. Yeah. Of creature designs, even though they're all monkeys. Right, creature designs and like they're monkeys. they're like mechs and they're different machines that they're using to cause problems too. Like Um the one there was one mech that made me think of the Jimmy Neutron dog. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think I might know. And I forgot what the name of the monkey is, but with the with the nose, and then he did the bananas. Are that one cracked me up the most. Are those bonobo monkeys? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, yeah he... Oh, so funny. He was 100% a so pastiche funny. of that well-known uh, older actor that was also at the beginning of the Frosty the Snowman movie as, like, the narrator oh, guy. Oh, J- Jimmy Durante? Or yes, something? I think yes. he is okay. 100% just a pastiche of Jimmy Durante. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, yeah. Um, that one cracked But yes, up. he was like, like, all of them are relatively menacing, but also <laughs> yeah. a lot of them are pretty comedic. The, uh, but he was just only comedic. He's like, yeah. He, like, sings a little song and is, like, bouncing yeah. and he has all these all these bananas all over that people are slipping on. Yeah. It was so funny. <laughs> the tomato sauce one who the, who felt like he wasn't sure about what he was doing right. yes love that guy <laughs> that guy that guy had a vibe yes, yeah yes, he's like yes. uh uh tomatoes yeah <laughs> oh so good that's that scene is just very fun yeah, and the barrel of monkeys and just just yeah, so many things just really oh imaginative gosh, and so silly funny. and and the and the escalating both humor but like you can feel Mojo Jojo's frustration just building as all of these people are here. It's just, it's good. It's a good scene. And the funny thing, too, is I, my immediate thought when he created all these monkeys that had this brain like him, I thought, well, they're going to be at the same intelligence level. <laughs> right? This is going to probably cause problems. You're like, Mojo Jojo, I'm anticipating where this is going to go bad <laughs> yeah, for you. Yeah. You're supposed to be the smart guy yeah, here. Yeah, for someone so smart. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. I also love there's the it's scene. The, it's the arrogance, really. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, just the assuming Hubris. that even if they are as intelligent as him, that they will just rightfully see him as the ruler because he made them. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, w- there's this dog. It was hilarious. This dog, yes. they get that Bubbles keeps, no, Buttercup. Buttercup, thank you. That Buttercup keeps rescuing and then keeps getting back in peril. And then she has to keep rescuing it. And it just, it pops up a lot. It's so funny. Actually, actually on a similar vein, I really like that after the girls resolve to come back and to rescue the professor, they then get distracted by saving everybody and and basically like saving the day but they don't default to fighting which is interesting because you know obviously having watched the show they kick people's butts all the time like that's their modus operandi but i find it really interesting that here they didn't think to do that at first and it's not until buttercup is pushed over the edge trying to save (laughs) this this little dog (laughs) that she finally like punches one of them and then she's like oh no that was bad right but then blossom's like actually that's the how we're gonna beat this scenario and i I like that they had to figure that out 
rather than yeah. just defaulting to like let's hit people it was like actually maybe we should hit the bad guys <laughs> yeah it's fun well and sorry before the whole scenario even began when they're with their first day of school because you said then then they got to Rambexish. They had gone through the whole day at school. They were so cute. They were just yeah. playing and doing the things like all the other kids. And it wasn't until they actually were playing on the playground after school when um, Professor Utonium comes and and then one of the kids teaches them how to play tag. It was and Mitch then- Mitchelson. Was yeah. it Mitch? Mitch. Mitch. No, Mitch Mitchelson. <laughs> that then they get they got out of hand as far as you know trying to tag each other and started destroying stuff. So yeah, it was that kid's fault and <laughs> and their dad should have been like, okay, girls, come on. <laughs> Mitch Mitchelson is a kid that in the show tends to just cause problems. So. Yeah. Oh, does he? Okay, <laughs> it's okay. pretty appropriate. He was fairly nice. I mean, he was trying to. Teach he was. Them, but no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, he was. He was not being much of a jerk in this one. Yeah. Yeah. The voice acting in this is just great. Yes. Um, just so many people that are in so many cartoons. Tara Strong as Bubbles. She's like, she's in too many things. I don't even know what to tell you. She's Twilight Sparkle and My Little Pony, but she's so many. She's so many characters. She mostly seems, it seems like she mostly does TV work because I don't feel like I've talked about her much on here. Like maybe one or two movies in the past, but she's prolific, let's say. Um... And, uh, of course, Tom Kenny's in here. Credited. Now, what would I know him from? Because I heard y'all talking you about You would know him. him as Spongebob Squarepants. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. And uh, Ice King. Oh, wow. Okay. And okay. lots of other things. Okay. He voiced one, two, three, four, five characters in this movie. Okay. Uh, the mayor is the most prominent one. Yeah. Okay. He's also the narrator, who we mostly just hear at the end. He's Mitch Mitchelson, the little kid. Oh, okay. And he's also Snake and Lil Arturo from the Gangrene Gang, which yeah. is the yeah. kind of snake-like yeah. looking guy and the and the short little guy. Yeah. I want to say one. Yeah, they don't really, they did kind of mostly just have like, Noises. Noises yeah. rather than lines, but... I want to say one. I loved how Frank Welker, I love how they credited him so many monkeys. That's what it just said, so many monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> it was so great. That was very good. Uh, Jeff Bennett, who we've heard from a lot, and I can't think of a person that he voices, but he's he's uh, we've seen him a lot in different movies. He is also the rest of the gangrene gang. <laughs> he's Ace, Big Billy, and Gruber. Oh, Gruber? Okay. Gruber? I don't know. Um... Sorry, I just had a flashback to two different gangrene episodes, which is the one where Big Billy becomes their friend and the one where Grubber just like becomes like a really like posh dude or whatever. And his eyeballs aren't like out. Anyways, um, <laughs> also of note, Rob Paulson's in this movie. He's Hatawata and Killadrilla. <laughs> And he's uh, Yakko from Animaniacs, oh, among okay, many okay, other okay, things. Okay, okay. Valor and I are just constantly being like, oh, there's Rob. <laughs> um, just a lot of, just a lot. Oh, and another one that is important for you, Mom. Uh, Miss Keen, the uh, teacher, oh. is Jennifer Hale, who you might know as Shepard from Mass Effect. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. I liked her, too. And so also, much, yeah. two characters are totally spies. <laughs> One of the main characters and also the mean girl. Uh, And it's so weird to hear them both in the same scene because I could just easily tell that it's both Jennifer Hale. Anyways, um, (laughs) just a lot of good, fun voice talent. And they all did a really great job. Oh, they did. It was just so good. So good. Uh, Anything else with story characters or voice acting before I go on to animation? I think I have a lot to say about animation. 
We didn't really talk about the mayor or Ms. Bellum. Ms. Bellum. They're not super right. at the fore, but they're definitely there. Yeah, the mayor was mostly there for, for comedy. Which is pretty much always the case. Yes. Um, but yeah, Ms. Bellum wasn't in it as much, I guess. Yeah, um, but what she, she, I mean, it's, it made clear what is pretty much always clear in the show, too, that like... For the most part, she's the actual one that's, like, getting anything done in that position. Yes. She's the one that's, like, that, like, all the people are talking to as the girls are causing havoc and is trying to talk to the mayor to get him to do something. She's the one that, like, talks to Professor Utonium of, like, yeah, we're gonna have to arrest you, though. Like, Mm -hmm. she's the one who's doing the things that actually matter because the only thing that the mayor cared about for most of the movie was, was his pickle cart. So yeah, I was with a guy who's, is that his brother? They look so similar. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Very, very silly. But also I've got to say it absolutely broke my heart when the girls were left at school. Oh my gosh. That That was so sad. And again, they are so cute. And those little eyes and their sad faces just, (laughs) Melt my heart. And then, too, is I love how how they were such good girls. And when they started to go home, and they're like, how are we going to get home? And they start to fly up. And then it's like, but we can't use our powers. They just immediately, sadly, came down. And then they yeah. all started walking. And the ultimate thing was when they got lost, they're like, it can't get any worse. And then it rained on them. Just broke my heart. They were so cute. Yeah. Let's talk some about animation. The film's animation was provided by Rough Draft Korea with additional digital compositing effects by Mercury Filmworks and additional animation by Munich Animation Film. All work done overseas was then shipped to Los Angeles, where the main crew put every single shot together digitally at the recently opened Cartoon Network Studios. Mm. And also some backgrounds are hand-drawn with some computer-generated element uh, enhancements. Mm. Um, also, I'm pretty sure that the, the monkey with the big mech, I feel like his mech was computer-animated. Yeah, um, I like it. It blended in well, but it... it it felt reminiscent of like in uh, the Invader Zim show where you could like tell there was a difference, but it blends well and it isn't intrusive. Um, I really love the, the geometric retro future designs mm-hmm, of everything mm-hmm, in the environment. It's, so it's just, yes. it looks good. It's yeah. just like, it, it's I, it, it, what it reminds me of. And we haven't gotten to them because it's like the 1950s, I think of, of like, I think it's UHF that that had cartoon like cartoon shorts that they theatrical ones that they did back in the day like uh, Gerald McBoing Boing I think and some different things like that or maybe Mary Gerald might be the Warner Brothers one where they were trying to copy that style anyways they had multiple different cartoons that kind of had that really kind of minimalist look and I feel like the look of this film and also of the show especially once it changed uh, to the digital art styles it it just really like has that kind of minimalist fun feel to it where like i don't know it just looks good it's a good look it is i mean seriously the the building shapes even the interior of things yeah yeah it's just so neat and even like uh what do you call it the whatever the ball the spots the spire yes um just so that was almost certainly using some computer i don't know if the ball itself was but the reflection yeah there was Mm -hmm. almost certainly some like fun stuff that they were doing to get that to look so good. Uh, Yeah. And another thing that I really love about this movie 
I, I feel like this movie is just really well animated. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's already clear, but I really love the lighting, mm-hmm. um, the 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 way that the environment's all in reds when the chemical X thing gets smashed, the um, part after after tensions are rising with all the monkeys introducing themselves or whatever uh how it then like cuts to to the blackness of space and there's like no sound and it just like slowly zooms in on on uh the asteroids that you can slowly start to see and you hear bubbles crying or whatever and then you get there and it's like this this grayscale area that they inhabit where the only color is like the dim color of like their eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the shifting color palettes of this movie, like going from that grayscale to the dominant reds of, of them dealing with all the monkey guys to the dominant blues and greens uh, of the kind of finale sequence and stuff. It's just really fun use of color to to emphasize the emotions of scenes. It's just, yeah. it's good. It's good animation, good light, good lighting. Yeah, no, because for example, the characters up against the backdrops, and even the close up of the monkeys, then all of a sudden going into the city and the actions, or the backdrop, or the buildings behind them, it was just so well done. Yeah. And then, like you said, with the shadow, it was so neat because at times where the people would be very distinct and colorful, but then there would be like something falling on them or coming over them or rolling over. And then they would all go in shadow. I really, I mean, just, I really yeah. like the use of shadow to denote time that was used several times too. Like when they're at school and the, the, it's staring at the clock and time goes mm-hmm. and it's not just the position of the hand, but also the position of the shadows that denotes that time pass or part of what makes that scene where they're left at school and not being picked up. So sad yes. is the use of both the lighting and the shadows growing longer and longer as they're mm-hmm. just sitting there. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's good. Yeah. It's I, good, good animation. <laughs> yeah, no, it really was. It was, it was really I mean, honestly, it was beautiful animation, I think. Yeah. They, yeah, I mean, visually, they, there's a lot of fun things. Uh, in the tag sequence with the girls, they use their flight trails or the run trails to kind of dictate, uh, to show where they're, where they're moving. Um, and it's really effective. Uh, and then, like, the, the pattern of the flight trails where, where Blossom was very, like, square corners and things like that. Bubbles, I think, was hopping on stuff. Yeah. She was being bouncy. And then Buttercup just blasted through buildings, just kind of, you know, dictating their uh, personalities and emotions. Uh, That was delightful. Yeah, and I I just, I love... The, the build up to that scene too of like the kind of the flow of action of like how things will stop and start like really quickly and and the way that that kind of didn't that starting and stopping in and of itself kind of denotes power of like like bubbles crashes into the ground and then it just it's kind of frozen as debris goes everywhere but she's just sitting there in that thing and it gives you a moment to be like oh wow that was impactful and it, and a lot of similar. Yeah, it just, it feels like the ways in which the power, the powerfulness of their actions was exhibited just was, it was really good. The way that the the starting and stopping of it all and like the sharp turns that she was making. I love the little gag where Blossom is charging 
Uh, and this is like, a, it's a pretty distant shot, but she's charging, she stops, the light changes, and then she goes again really fast. Because <laughs> it's just, it's like funny that she's like obeying this one rule while also not being cognizant of the fact that all this destruction she's causing is bad. Um, yeah, I like how they're yeah. oblivious to all of the destruction destruction. They, they were caused. just, they were literally born yesterday, so know. you know. Oh, I know, and, and kind of a similar thing denoting their power, I loved, because multiple times, and I want to think, I want to say, I don't know if it was all three of them, but it was definitely more than one of them when they would skid to a stop and then the, the, the indention or the, or the digging into the ground that it would cause the power, um, in, in their skid to a stop. Yeah. That was neat to see. Yeah. And I also like some of the payoff of this whole long scene where they're playing and causing destruction, where later, we watch them have to, when they've decided that they can't use their powers because the professor told them not to, but they don't know how to get home. And so they're wandering and they have to like walk around and over and stuff of the destruction that they caused. It's, mm. it's like, I don't know. I, I love the, like watching them have to walk over the, the ridges of the road that they pulled up and destroyed. And just all of that it was, it's fun. It's a fun way to pay some of that off. Yeah. The, the movie's not shy about the fact that Mojo Jojo is secretly going to double-cross them, and it has some really fun animation that it does to keep hinting at all of that. One of my favorite is when he, like, goes into the box and is facing away from them, and they're, like, trying to give him a pep talk, and then his, like, eyes open up, and it's, like, an evil glare, and as they keep talking, then he just has his evil grin or whatever. Yeah. And just, like, they can't see it, but we, the audience, yes. can. There's yes. a good shot where he convinces them to like go to the volcano, and then it's just like this really like down low kind of uh, at an angle, looking up at him as he's like smiling, really, really happy that this is working out for him. <laughs> Menacingly, yes, yes. It's just they they have a lot of fun with it. Uh, one other thing with Mojo Jojo, the animators. Uh, the director was really good at kind of the visual motifs in Mojo Jojo's lab and the the roof uh, of his lair. The pattern is reminiscent of like a brain, the, the wrinkles mm. in a brain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I, those touches like that just m- make everything, you know, more fun and, and more interesting to, to look at. I also like the progression of his outfit, him starting off with a paper bag over his head. And I forgot what he was using as a cape, but then as when he... I don't think he had a cape, I think he had a ratted, a ratty scarf. Mm. Yeah. But it kind of looked cape-like because it was bigger, I don't know. And it yeah. just kind yeah. of flowed back yeah. or whatever. He also had like a trench coat, so... Yeah. And then, well, yeah, I know, yeah, I know what you're talking about there, but I was trying to think of, yeah, I was thinking of another part. But yeah, and then ultimately where he has, you know, the, um, his, his cape and outfit but then i love how then all the monkeys had similar <laughs> ones that they copied from him which definitely... they even gave you the shot earlier on like when he's when it, he's picking out his clothes and you see he has a whole bunch of outfits so they even like you know they could have just cartoon logic like yeah they just have those but there was even a little bit of setup for that yeah 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 <laughs> um and that also bringing up that scene of him changing brings to mind the last the last like big technique that I, I want to mention that's partially animation and partially just directing and editing um, is the rapid cutting back and forth between things. Um, I think the first big time that we see it is when the girls, and we don't even know at first that 
they are where it's cutting between the different uh, TV things of people talking about mm. the girls and it just starts going quicker and quicker between them as they're all ranting about the girls in their different ways. Um, and then you have the scene that's going back and forth between Mojo getting ready for the day and them getting ready for the day and, and mm. bringing the professor or whatever uh, that's just constantly going back and forth between it. And then you have them um, on on the asteroid when they're trying to when they're all mad and and sad out on the asteroid far away from everything but then it starts cutting back and forth between them and what bubbles is saying do do you hear that and going back and forth between the like silence and grayscale of their situation and the absolute like carnage and loudness of all the chaos that the monkeys are causing it's just it's a really fun technique <laughs> that they go back to again and again uh that is it's pretty effective every single one of those times. Mm -hmm. I think it would be foolish to make this in live action. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think perhaps the concept of doing the Powerpuff Girls in live action is a bad one. And that if, say, anyone was contemplating making a TV show to that effect, that was a bad idea from the get go. Uh, but in all, trying to take it a little more seriously, I do, I feel like Craig McCracken and also Guinea Tarkovsky, um, who did Dexter's Lab and Samurai Jack and stuff, they're both people that I think really like to lean into what it is that animation can provide to a medium. And that's kind of the, the perfection of movement in a way that can't, really be replicated by real people. Um, they just, those, those quick snappy things, the way that everything is so sharp and dynamic, the, the design of the environments being that kind of retro futuristic minimalist thing. Like that is so heavily a part of not just their style, but the way in which they tell their stories that to do the same basic story in live action is just, it's going to be a completely different thing by necessity. It's, it's not going to, it's going to be harder to have that punch and then they're going to have to kind of do it in different ways to make it work or it's going to feel cheesy rather than cool, you know? And it's just like, <laughs> this is inherently about um, bug eyed freaks who are little girls <laughs> fighting like a monkey man with a giant, brain coming out of his head and stuff like there's a certain extent to which all of that becomes really grotesque if you try to replicate it exactly in live action and if you're not replicating it exactly then it's just fundamentally different so why would you do it um i just don't i don't know why you would do this movie in live action rather than any other superhero thing this is a superhero thing that's made for animation it's not like Batman the Animated Series, where I can understand, like, yeah, Batman can work in live action, even though that's going to feel different. I just, I don't know why you would do the Powerpuff Girls in live action unless it was a cynica, cynical corporate cash grab uh, to bank on nostalgia for the sake of making a Riverdale clone. Um. <laughs> anyway, um, it doesn't lead well for discussion, but I will say for something like that, like you mentioned a couple of things you mentioned made me think, or and even before, 
Something along the vein of the uh, Wachowski's uh, Speed mm. Racer. Yes. Very cartoony, very stylized. Yes, yes, yes. And and using, uh, being really inventive about what you do visually. Uh, I think if you, even if you couldn't capture the exact retro-futuristic vibe, you would want something that is a signature style. And yeah, I think leaning into that unreality, because yeah, like a lot of the environments in Speed Racer are like, clearly a real person can't inhabit this. This is a cartoon that these people live in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think that I think my main be fun. question, I guess, is just how do you handle the girls and Mojo and stuff? In that, because it's still in Speed Racer, it's still humans. Yeah. You know, it's live actors. And so if the girls are like live actors of little girls, I mean, you can do that, but that's not what they look like. And you certainly can't have a joke about bug-eyed freak girls. (laughs) And is Mojo's brain thing going to just be really hard to look at? It made me think of the, uh, what what is it, Battle Angel Alita. Sure. (laughs) You have these girls that just look off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not saying this is good or bad, just saying that that is... It looks weird. That, like... When you give girls actual anime eyes. (laughs) (laughs) That, um... There have been elements that that you could use that have been done to to build something, you know, to build something. Um, I think one of the questions you asked, yeah, to to what end is, is a yeah. really good question. Like, what would it bring to the table? I guess. Yeah. What are you trying to do with this that couldn't be done in animation, or that is could be done better in a live action medium? Whether it it be you know some sort of commentary or something like that, but but I think something with a strong style, you Definitely. really you really need that because because otherwise, yeah, that's the only way to make it distinct and interesting, and have any validity for not being animated. Well, I and not just that of just like it is, Powerpuff Girls has a strong sense exactly. of style. That is the kind of a, a I think a backbone of it. It would it would it would be a weaker, just a week overall if you're trying to look like something else. Yeah. It can't. I don't think it can be serious. Powerpuff Girls isn't serious. It's very comedic, uh, campy. Y- you know, you want to lean into that. I think. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Let's talk some about the music. James L. Venable, who worked on the television series, composed the film's score, blending traditional orchestration with electronica. He had listened to old monster movie scores and acts such as the Chemical Brothers and Propeller Heads for inspiration in developing the series' musical style, which was then poured into the movie. The crew was against using pop songs or any musical numbers that would interfere in the body of the story in order to respect audience expectations. I think that was a good call. I don't think mm-hmm. we need to pop music throughout there. But there was pop music at the end in the credits. And McCracken thought that the band Gorillas would be fitting to perform the <laughs> film's ending credits song, considering that the plot was about evil monkeys attacking Townsville and that the band members were animated. Gorillas creators Jamie Hewlett and Damon Albarn showed interest in composing the song, but their schedule made it impossible to accomplish. What a now, shame. Valerie's laughing over here for a reason that mom and maybe some other viewers might not fully understand, which is that the the gorillas and Powerpuff Girls did not collaborate in this instance. They did eventually collaborate because for a little bit, Ace, the member of the gang Green Gang, joined 
gorillas and was a band member for the band. (laughs) (laughs) And that's still a thing that happened. Love it. (laughs) That's still just a ridiculous thing that happened a few years ago. Um, and we're all happier that it did because that just made the world a little bit more fun, you know? <laughs> yeah, I am. I, that's, I think it's delightful. It's really delightful. Good for him. He, he, he started, you know, as a common criminal and he eventually made his way back into a band and then he probably went back to being a common criminal after that. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of good bops in this, though. I, 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 I did was... really enjoy the the three songs that were at the end of the movie, uh, Powerpuff Girls uh, by Biss, Pray for the Girls by Frank Black, and That's What Girls Do by No Secrets. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I, trying to remember. I know that's what girls do. I know that song. That's the one that I recognize the most. I know. It's so, not, like, maybe it's not from this, but was just used in it. Exactly. I am not sure. Um, but the song that I actually enjoyed the most was that middle one, Pray for the Girls. It, was, it had a weird vibe to it that I really... I really dug. And also, I'm always a sucker for uh, for the Powerpuff Girls theme song just being done, like, really loud and quickly by by a band. Like, that's that's fun. <laughs> just hearing a theme song done just in that kind of pop punk style. Yeah, no, I guess it is just their song, maybe for... For the movie, but on their album as well, I believe. Yeah, I guess it was just successful outside of that. Successful. Enough for us to recognize. For sure. Uh, Yeah. No, I mean, again, the music fits really well into the style. Like, it just does such a good job at at, at fitting within this world that that they created. Yeah. And also the, I, I think the music at the end also just reminds me of those different cartoon groovies and stuff that they had between cartoons at the time. And there was, there was one, I don't even remember what the song was, but yeah. where they had that, like, they had the big fish monster guy and he was like a, an actual live action, like person in a suit or something while the band was like playing a song about the Powerpuff Girls. Is that one Signal in the Sky? Oh, I think that might be it. Signal in the Sky. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think on the album, the Devo the go monkey go yeah they just have those different songs and yeah it just harkens back to that makes me feel nostalgic it's fun stuff i enjoyed it i was bopping along a lot of times (laughs) (laughs) let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after how's it hold up i don't actually have any specific notes for this might be worth talking about miss bellum if you want to i don't think she did a ton no just kind of the con her whole deal (laughs) Sure. Um, because a lot of people don't like the fact that she is like a sexy lady whose face is covered up the whole time. Um, to the point that when they had the reboot in 2016, they cut the character entirely because a bunch of men were making the show and they were like, oh, she's a bad sexist character. Rather than like, how do we change her presentation in some way to make her work better as a character. Yeah. They're just like, let's just get rid of her. She's a stupid idea because she's a great character. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like she's competent. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, her whole deal is that she's a really smart lady who is 
seen by everyone else to just be like a, a sexy lady and where it's make it makes the audience complicit in that by making you unable to ever see her face all you see is a sexy body yeah but then her name is cerebellum like it's a play on the part of the brain like there's an obvious intent there whether or not it's successful is certain certainly merits discussion yeah but like there is an obvious intent intent there and she is a character that i think all of us as kids really liked so the idea that you should just remove her because of what you find problematic is bad but that's not directly pertinent to this movie so much as just um i thought she was good in this movie i don't really know i guess your mileage can vary on to what degree you find the general concept of her palatable um well, here's just from my perspective is the reason that she was not bothersome to me is that the biggest thing is that it, you know, she has, she has a very short skirt and she, you know, her legs are very prominent, but she's in a business suit. There's no cleavage showing. It's just, it's her legs. So I don't see an issue with that because I mean, there's a lot of women that wear short skirts and have great legs and and even that are villainesses or or you know or strong characters in in like I'm just thinking of Dallas and other like that that shows my age but other um, where they're power women and they wear suits and they have short skirts so anyway that in and of a, of itself I I feel like is okay if you are going to sexualize that's not to me overly sexualized. You know, if you had the short skirt and all kinds of cleavage and all all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that would be over the top. So, yeah, I'm so, so really ashamed that, to know that they cut her in subsequent. Um, maybe it's better for her, honestly, because uh, I haven't watched it, but I haven't heard many good things about that reboot. So mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. But I, I enjoy I enjoyed her small role in the movie. Um, I don't know. Was there anything else that felt other than maybe, you know, like I said, uh, violence. But the thing is, it's not like anyone they were they were in peril constantly. There were all kinds of things coming at them. Yeah. But it never showed someone killed or smushed or blood splattering, even really of of the um, of the problem of the of the monkeys and the and the evil monkeys, because, I mean, it showed them. I don't know if they were supposed to be. Uh, dead or not, but it it definitely that probably, was over. Probably open, yeah. not. Yeah, it just looked like they were beat up. And again, it's not like it showed with all of the the really neat geometric and and all the the great animation. None of it looked like blood or guts or you know what I mean. So I, honestly, I think this might be a case where this holds up better than it did when it came out because Jesus America was really touchy. Uh, mm. In the years immediately preceding 9-11. Um, never fully got over that, but it was especially touchy back then. And it's kind of like, it's not that violent. I don't know. They punch a bunch of monkeys, but like, yeah, it's really, I think that um, the concerns that parents had back then, our parents would probably be less likely to care that much now. Uh, I feel like it probably holds up better in that in that respect now. The violence mm-hmm. isn't uh, pushing on a national issue or whatever. I think it was stupid back then too, but I was a child and also don't care to get into that really. I don't know. Anything else you guys think for this section? There was 
the symbol monkey was that a weird voice or anything like that? I didn't. I didn't feel like he said enough for me to be sure. Okay, that's all. I, I mean, I did raise a brow just a little bit, but uh, he just didn't say enough for me to be sure. Fair. Here's a silly one: ageism because there were older people shown being beaten up by the monkeys. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> There are young people getting beaten up by the monkeys, I know, too. I just teasing. <laughs> Ageism were, because the monkeys <laughs> didn't go to that preschool and beat up those toddlers. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I think it was older guys, older men, that seemed like, or this one in particular that kept being beaten up by this oh, one no. monkey. Oh, <laughs> no. And just, so now much. I just thought of the old, the really old monkey. What was it? Pappy Wappy or something? <laughs> There's oh, some um, OSHA violations. There's construction oh going God. on at the school. <laughs> really? The students didn't oh, have yeah, I know. I understand why the scene is like that because, like, it's emphasizing how everyone's mad at them and they're sad of the destruction that they caused. But it's like, it's very I mean, obviously they would have shut the school down. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, we yeah. We just have to. There's no fridge, so no snacks. Yeah, like, <laughs> they obviously just. Wouldn't have gone to that school. Yeah, um, yeah. Their school would be closed and maybe they'd go to a different school. But yeah, it's a cartoon. Yeah. And it makes sense <laughs> for the story that they're telling and the emotions that they want to tell. So it's fine. But it was very funny. Yeah. All, you know, just like, this wouldn't through, happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. River running through it. All kinds of health hazards. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, uh, hazards. All right. Let's go on to our... Spoiler alert. alert. Skip to... One hour. One of the things we haven't talked about a whole, whole lot, just because it's kind of, you know, it's an inherent part of Mojo Jojo's character, um, but I do love the way that he repeats things in different ways, uh, like repeats the same idea in different ways. And one of my favorite ones was, I have to seize control of an area and force its inhabitants to follow my way of thinking. Yeah. <laughs> as as the final thing when he's talking about taking over the world. <laughs> um, very funny. Loved that. He really wants you to understand what he's saying. He does. He really wants you to understand. Um, buttercup punching Mojo Jojo's big toes uh, hurts Ow. to watch every time. Where she just is punching them in and I'm like, Ugh. oh, ow, ow. Um, <laughs> like stubbing your each toes. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the movie, Mojo Jojo, um, he takes the professor hostage so that the girls can't hurt him. And then he puts more chemical X into himself and becomes a really big uh, King Kong style monkey. Yeah, I thought uh, that was neat. I didn't remember that he did that. Oh, how do you not remember? That's one I of the things I most remember sim- about I this movie. I love all the symbolism and then him carrying up, having the girls unconscious and him climbing up One with of the little details I love the most is that he uses the top of the mayor's uh, building mm-hmm. as, his, as, as his as his hat. hat. Love yes. it. The thing covering yes. his brain. Um, yes. Yeah, no, he he's fun. I think the action there is is weaker than the action previous to it. But that scene is honestly, despite it's uh, like the, the bigness of it, because he's a big, a big guy is more about the emotions, I think, than the previous scene. So mm-hmm. that feels fine. Yeah. It's, it's fun. He gets, he gets real big and they fight a little bit and he scales a, a tower like King Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tries to, to pull a, a Darth Vader talking to Luke to join him kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. uh, which they obviously don't go for. Um, but it's fun. Yeah, I mean, they had spent the movie... Uh, Paralleling them. Yeah, exactly. Like, they were, you know, 
the two sides of the coin. Yeah. It fits into their constant battles on the show. Yeah, uh, they're they're both creatures that were given a whole bunch of power and one of the like one side is like inherently good and wants to do good things and help people and yeah. one side's inherently like mean and selfish and really is only out for themselves and ends up causing trouble for people because of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like how the conclusion, you know, is the professor shows up and he's like, I've got the anecdote, anecdote. And then he gets um, and then they have knocked off King Kong from the top of the building um, and Mojo Jojo ends up crashing on top. Well, they save the story. They grab the professor before Mojo falls, but he falls on the vial of um, antidote at the antidote and again another th- great thing with the animation it was awesome because then all of the anecdotes start seeping out from underneath him yeah. almost like almost like a pool of ink or something but it but it or spreads out blood. Yeah, yes yes <laughs> and it and it just spreads out so you know amazingly and of course then it shrinks him down and then he's in the middle of this so i mean they have really well done saying the pool of blood thing reminds mm-hmm. me that i think they had a real lot of fun with the very quick scene where the guy who makes the tornado whirlwind gets punched and knocked into a building and there's yes. red all over. Yes. I think they had a lot of fun being able to do that because we all knew that it was tomatoes. Yes. yes. Tornado. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I find it interesting that the, the antidote X doesn't fully revert Mojo though. Just just removes the big Mojo factor. Yeah, the, le- yes. the last level of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like even though he continues to just lay in it, he doesn't revert to just Monkey Jojo. He still has his big brain and he's green. There could be like a time thing of like. It's anti- been too long. Yes. Uh- <laughs> that would also help explain why Antidote X isn't a thing that comes up again in terms of, like, the villains don't try to get a hold of it to remove their powers or whatever. That would make sense. And during the movie, I was like, what are they going to do with all these really smart monkeys? (laughs) And it's like, oh, maybe they Antidote X'd them. Yeah, probably. They were able to go back. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Because, yeah, it's not like those monkeys show up again in the show. Um, So, yeah. Although I could... (laughs) The one that I could see them easily bringing back is the guy who, like, got... Down, toileted down the sewers or whatever. Yeah. Oh. Like, he's probably relatively okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fun. And then, of course, at the end, the um, the town's like, actually, we like you because you saved us and stuff. And, and then we have... They congregated in the shape of a heart. They did congregate in the shape of a heart. Oh, and oh, and uh, the mayor talks like he's asking pe- someone on a date, but about <laughs> the town having them as their heroes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very silly. And then we have the, like, final scene that, like, has... I love the lack of dialogue of it. Like, there's, there's some sound effects, but there's a little bit muted, and there's no dialogue of, of them... Um, you know, at their home, they go to school, the gang green gang is causing trouble and the mayor calls them to come deal with it. Like just a very cute thing. And then of course our narrator comes in to wrap it all up. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it, it works really well for those who've seen the show. It's like, you know, this story. Yeah. Every week there's a thing, they get a call and they save the day. Yeah. I'd forgotten how cute their little phone is. You know, it's kind of like the you know, Batman or anything else, they have the, you know, the red phone, but theirs is like a little clown looking phone. Yeah. Like a little kid's phone. Yeah. Yeah. Just to mention it, I've just always found the gangrene gang's name amusing. 
Like, it's an obvious joke and I like it. Because they're, gre- they're green. I like it. It's good. I just wanted to say that. Uh-huh. And they're rotten, just like gangrene mm. causes your limbs to be Uh-oh. rotten. <laughs> also, that's probably what's wrong with Gruber's whole existence. Um, <laughs> his eyes are coming out of his head and it's unpleasant. Anyways, no more spoilers. Let's go on to our favorites and least favorites. What was your least favorite scene in the movie? I'm going to go with least favorite is... Oh, my least favorite is a spoiler scene uh, having to do with Mojo Jojo's toes, which sounds weird. (laughs) It sure does. Please don't elaborate. (laughs) If you listen to the spoilers, you know. If not, maybe you think you know. Maybe, Maybe, I don't know. I might have to agree... I mean, it's a small little part of a fight, but still, it's unpleasant every time. Uh, is there, is there a scene that I dislike less, or like dislike more? I know that you, mom, did mention that the scene of them causing carnage in the town. Yeah, was going I think on I'm going to say that. Yeah, that went on too long for me because, again, I've I've listening to this podcast. You probably know I don't like wanton destruction. I don't like. I don't like things destroyed. I don't like that. And yeah, I think that went on too long for me. Too much of the city was destroyed. Yeah, I guess the toes thing, because yeah, I, I like this movie. Um, what was your favorite scene in the movie? For me, it was definitely the scene where all the monkeys introduced themselves. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like I said, kind of gives me a um, Samurai Jack vibe. They're funny, goofy concepts that kind of get more ridiculous as it goes on. And yeah. just like, uh, and this monkey does this. They're like, okay. Yeah. Just and like the writer's room, just like, give, give me another one. And just the way that they start introducing themselves quicker and quicker and you feel Mojo getting more and more mad. It just, it it escalates really nicely and it it ends perfectly in that when it's kind of at its highest and loudest, it like cuts off and then we're in space for the scene where they're out on the asteroid and that's just like it's a good crescendo and then cut off like it's just a good scene (laughs) i did really really like that scene but i'm gonna have to say when the girls are created and especially giving their little names but then him taking care of them and and tucking them into bed i just love it so much who was your least favorite character in the movie i guess the mayor I didn't dislike him, but, like, you know, he always, like, part of the comedy of him is that he sucks. <laughs> and he does suck here. Um, I don't know if there's anyone that I disliked more. Probably the mayor, but, like, not like I hate him or anything. He was amusing for what he was there for. I think it's interesting how flawed a lot of the adults are. Just in the series. Yeah, like they, they're, yeah, I guess you, you might have to be to, you know, rely on children to fix your, your problems, but trying to think specifically, you know, Miss Keene is their teacher, but she can be kind of, uh, kind of mean sometimes or like play favorites or just kind of overlook certain things. Was she like that in this movie though? I don't think so. I think it's just because she was actually pretty darn. She was the only one who wasn't actively mean to them when they came back to the destruction they'd caused at the school. Right, but unaware or not 
acknowledging how everybody else was treating them. Yeah. I guess I can see your argument much better for this series than for, for this sure, particular for movie. Sure. Yeah, I, I guess I'm trying to build up to my um, conflict with uh, Professor Utonium. As, I was wondering if that's where you're going. As a good dad to the girls, but a but a bad dad to Mojo Jojo, or Jojo in this sense, and him kind of causing the situation overall, or... Yeah, I... I kind of agree with you. I think he cares about them a whole lot, but he's new at trying to be a good dad, and it kind of shows. Yeah, yeah, and and it's not as like a, like I said, not like he is a bad guy. Like they're flawed. He is flawed, but like all of the adults are flawed, um, or characters. But like that, I guess that's just an undercurrent in the thing of the you know movie and the series. So so particularly for this i guess i'll also go with the mayor in terms of like he runs this whole town it has gotten this bad and it never gets better because of his own yeah because of anything he does beyond asking them to help out which they would have done anyways yeah um i don't know if i'm i'm gonna need to go with the same source but what bothered me the most is them not letting the professor go pick up the girls so uh whoever's i guess most at fault i mean the police are taking him away but it was that whole collective of people there that the mayor was leading that so so yeah he's yelling about his pickles so, so yeah maybe i'm gonna have to go with that because again is as not seeing that these children whether you think they've done something wrong or not are children and need to be taken care of and they you can't abandon them and they would be sitting there abandoned and that just upset me so much so yeah, i mean Fallon was a part of that as well i did really like the uh the tv shows like framing a professor utonium as a mad scientist yes that was i enjoyed that like that makes sense that they would do that yeah yeah i mean from a certain point of view it is yeah. true thanks obi-wan <laughs> <laughs> who is your favorite character in the movie I'm going to have to go with Bubbles because I just adore her. I love all the Powerpuff Girls, but Bubbles. For what reason? Because she is so adorable. I love her little pitiful cry. She's she's so cute and sweet. And I like how she is just, she's not like oh, getting in a, always in a fight like Buttercup and Blossom do. I mean, she's just, she's just so cute. I don't know. She's just so innocent. She is adorable. And her cry just breaks my heart. One thing that I felt throughout the film was that the girls didn't get as much screen time as I expected, I guess, or, or, and, and maybe, and maybe the, it felt like the, the tag scene was, I don't know, like it was long, but it didn't, only some of, there were certain points in it where it was obvious how it was, they were getting characterized, but some of it was just kind of the long back and forth of the chase. So I, I don't know if I was looking for more in that sense and, and trying to see who, what their characters actually were. I think it happened more towards the end because obviously like more runtime gave them more of a chance to figure themselves out. Because like you said, at some point, like they were born yesterday. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I don't know if it is one of them. Do you have... Oh, yeah, it's Mojo Jojo, 100%. 100% it's Mojo Jojo. He's so good in this movie, and he's what I most remember about this movie. Um, he's great. He's he's great at, like, 
playing them and being like the, oh, I'm on your side and I understand what you're going through, Angle. But then he has such hubris in thinking that like all these guys that he's giving his level of intelligence are going to like listen to him at all. <laughs> um, he's just great. He's great throughout this whole movie. Um, what is his voice actor's name? Roger L. Jackson, standout performance. He's always good as Mojo. He's really good in this movie. Um, the animation for him is constantly good. It, he's just <laughs> such a good villain. He's the only villain that made that would make sense to have as the main villain of their first movie. Uh, they never had another one since there was a box office failure. But like, yeah, it, he's just great. I love him. So okay, uh, yes, I'll agree. Uh, thinking about it, even in the beginning too, I'm like, oh, is he not bad? But then, like, he reveals more, and you can tell, like, oh no, he's just playing them. Yeah. Sorry if it wasn't clear. I I agree. Uh, favorite is Mojo. I agree that he's a great villain, but I'm still gonna stay with Bubbles oh, because you're good. she is adorable, and her cry gets to me more than anything. Bubbles is my favorite of the three Powerpuff Girls, <laughs> and always has been. So, um, the only one that I ever actually had a a plushie of though was blossom hmm. i think <laughs> she's right. my least favorite i like all three of them though um if tim curry were in this movie who would he be it's really hard for me to imagine any of the characters whose voices i know so well as him um it could be one of the the monkeys he could definitely be yeah, one of the monkeys yeah. just throw him in there that'd be so off-putting to just suddenly hear him. It'd be great. Yeah. That would be wonderful, uh, yeah. Monkey, uh, apes, orangutans, whatever. Yeah, just one of those Primate, guys. Primates. Let's go on to our overall consensus and what we would rate it. Okay, uh, so you you mentioned that it was a box office failure. We, we know that. And thinking about, you know, uh, your mom being mad that she had to go <laughs> see this film and pay for it. Yeah. Would this have been better just as the the TV movie? Um, Not with a TV movie budget? Right. Yeah, that's basically my thoughts. Um, I think they still could have made something that looked really cool and been good and put it on TV. But I don't think it would have looked this cool and this good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They definitely... They had a a budget. And it's not like it's... uh, They had, like, the biggest budget in the world, but, like... What they made looked really nice, and I'm glad it was the way it was, and I'm glad that I saw it in theaters as a kid, even if my mom gave me permanent uh, shame in my heart afterwards. Oh, honey! <laughs> that I've never truly gotten over. Honey, you are so bad. No, uh, I hope not. Just a little bit. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I love you, Mom. If it's any my opinion, your opinion would... has always just uh, mattered to me a lot. Oh, you know, I love you so much. If it's I totally would pay to go see it in theaters now. And that means and, a lot. And you know what? And seriously, you have I so much joy in life comes from you. I just want Mom. you to know, sweetie. It really does because you have introduced me to anime and shows and podcasts and things that have literally adds so much <laughs> Yes. But that just adds so much joy to my life. And well, so thanks. yeah, I would totally I would totally pay to go see this Aww. now. I Mom, totally you're would. a sweetheart. We've made up a, the audience. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what an arc. Glad that we close this, this episode. And, and my life? Question mark? <laughs> you well, can't we- say anything about this again. I have another oh, yes, question. you have your question. Yes. I have another one. Why? Well, 
or a comment, I guess. Uh, more of a comment than a question. Sure. Uh, yeah, this was... So, off podcast, you mentioned that this is the second movie in a row of, uh, you know, movie mm. from a show that has existed previously. Yep. And that this is more successful. Or I'm saying... Uh, you think is, it's a better movie. In uh, And one of the reasons is that it is using villains that you know and care about. Yes. Versus mm. some other random story. Agreed. I, I do genuinely stand by if Magica had been in the DuckTales movie, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more than random new guy. Yeah. And also the racist sidekick. Uh, yeah. No, mm. I mean, I do think I do think using Mojo Jojo was hugely to this movie's benefit, not just because I enjoy him as a character, but because doing so allows you to to make such use of that duality between them and everything. Yeah. And, and him being intrinsically already tied to their creation, he is also created through that, but also in a way through his own actions. Um, you know, he was a monkey, so hard to say how much... He didn't do it with the intent to become what he is, but he was a jerk little monkey. <laughs> um... Yeah, it just, like, using him is what makes this movie work in the way that it does. Um, and I think, I, gen- I do genuinely think DuckTales would have been better if it had been even some other villain beyond Magicka. But since there's so much magic, she just makes no sense. It would have been better if it had been a DuckTales villain that people cared about. But I, it was a movie that they conceptualized as, uh, DuckTales was a movie that they conceptualized as, uh, uh, arc in the TV show and then decided to make into a movie whereas the Powerpuff Girls movie feels like they were told make a Powerpuff Girls movie and they decided what the right story for that would be this doesn't feel like two episodes of the show put together or anything like that mm-hmm. this feels like it's the length it needs to be to tell the story it wants to tell you could maybe say that the scene of them causing havoc could be a little shorter but like you know like it does what it needs to do and doesn't feel like like it's multiple things strung together. Yeah, and, and yeah, that I scene agree. that you talked about, it, the it may regardless of the the runtime, like it did did have its uses. Yes, of uh, you know setting the setting the uh, stage for the reception in the town, characterizing them and showing kind of their level of awareness of like you said with the blossom. Obeying the stoplight, disregarding all of this destruction. Yeah. And the story that they chose was made use of the audience's knowledge. Like that kind of dramatic irony of, we know that Mojo is bad. And we can see even past the, like, where he might be good. Like, we can see, oh no, he's playing you. You don't know yet. You don't know what your his- your future is going to be. Right. Um, of him being like one of the guys that you have to deal with the most. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, capitalizing on that for the audience. But I think also doing a good job of not assuming that knowledge either. Of, yeah. For, uh, the, for the most part. I think perhaps there could have been, it could have been a little more clear that he was the professor's monkey. <laughs> Um, kind of thing, but... Yeah, 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 and not... For the most part, yes, 100%. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know, some sort of acknowledgement, uh, from the professor, but, but maybe he was kind of in that daze of, like, this is the good that I want to try to do. I don't know. But, yeah, like, really 
successful. It was a good story. So what would you guys rate this movie? Uh, and, and recommendation, good, good film. Um, I think it, it, it does a good job of encapsulating why I liked the show. Uh, especially, I mean, Mojo Jojo being a big reason and his like delivery of things, uh, his character and how they use him just really brought, brought a lot of delight. I, I would recommend it for people who like the show, of course. Um, for people who don't know the show, uh, I guess... I think it depends on your sensibilities. Yeah, yeah. Like, what what you're looking Just, to do. true of every movie, but... Yeah, yeah. Like, if, if you... Uh, yeah, if you're curious about the, the shows from that time, this is a good, a good example of it. Yeah. Um, for rating, I'll give it a... I'll give it a 3.5. Well, I would definitely recommend it, and I'm actually going to give it a 4.25. And the reason I think I'm going so high is because I think it's a great origin story. Like, to me, if you aren't familiar with the Powerpuff Girls, I think it is an awesome origin story. I think the animation is gorgeous, um, and I really love I love the development of the characters and the relationships and, and the connections and stuff. And so... And again, I never in the, in the million years when you said we were going to be watching this, would I have thought that I would rate it so high or enjoy it. But it really just was a delight. Hmm. Your guys' ratings has made me super unsure. I'm going to give it a four. I like it a lot. <laughs> um, whether or not it fully deserves that will, will definitely, to some degree, be based on if if it's just really up your alley or you have a lot of nostalgia for it and the series. I mean, I like it a lot. I really genuinely think that the animation is superb in it. Um, and is like, like on the level that I think other animators looking at it can legit learn stuff from it. Like it's just, it's good Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's fun and it's silly where it needs to be, but not like, completely just silly the whole time there's some fun actual emotions mojos are so fun i i like it a lot i'm gonna give it a four i think where my mind comes from i see it as a invader zim kind of level of enjoyment like good encapsulation of the show uh but not quite a scooby-doo where uh the zombie island where it was like a take that I could watch again and like really enjoyed, but enjoyable. Like I know I, I ranked Zim low in terms of like rewatchability. Uh, hey, you guys were real mean to Zim. I'm, lo- I'm looking <laughs> I'm at the ratings right now. Aww. Mom gave it a 2.25 and you Aww. gave it a 2.5. Oh, I'm sorry. Rewatchability. <laughs> I, th- I think this has more rewatchability for sure. And it's good, but yeah, I'm sticking with sticking with mine. Also, for what's worth, I gave Invader Zim a four. Also, so <laughs> makes me feel good about this choice. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're so harsh on Zim, but oh, I you're did, fine. Yeah. But again, I yeah, I stick by I mean, mine, and I'm proud because yeah. even with with you know, I love, I appreciate so much you going first, Valerie. But yeah, even with your three point five, I thought no, I I got thought in my mind four point two five, and I'm sticking with it. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys very much for listening. 
Thank you so much. And I would love for you to join me. Nana, I go by Nana Critter on, I stream live on Twitch. And of course, you can find me on Twitter to find out when I'm doing it. And you will also hear my lovely daughter and daughter-in-law, or sorry, or see... That you'll they're, they're, read, they'll read. Yeah, you'll read in, in the chat. But yeah, so I again stream every Tuesday at 7 p.m. at CST. And right now I'm playing Witcher 3, but it's super fun. I let you guys choose dialogue options. And I have now reached 50 followers on Twitch. So I am going to be a new affiliate. But with that, and I will be announcing. So again, check out Nana Critter's uh, Twitter. I will be having a Q&A stream. So yeah, more to come for that. Exciting, exciting. Yay! And next time, we will be watching uh, one of the few Mamoru Hosoda films that I haven't actually already seen. Um, Looking forward to that. Yeah. Yay. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thank y'all. Bye. Love you. This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 2790566. Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening. Can it still hear us? Ah! Hello. <laughs> Babe. <laughs> Talk to it. Hello. Babe. <laughs> Hi. Sing it sweet nothing. <laughs> Can I ask my questions first? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I meant to say yep. Okay. <laughs>